1: Jesus is in the boat with you he's with you in the storm he's with you in the crisis what he's hoping and wishing is that what you have seen and experienced him do in the past would somehow provide a stronger faith for your future if you know anything about Jesus you know that Jesus will never leave you and that Jesus will never forsake you He will be with you through the storm. Eventually, Jesus will calm that storm.
0: Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word.
1: Today, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. That's Mark chapter 4. We'll be at the end of that chapter in a few moments. Our first history lesson in the series, The Sands of Time, evolves around a famous painter from the 1600s. Many of the most famous artists around the world are known by a single name, You have Leonardo, you have Michelangelo, you have Picasso, you have Caravaggio, you have Raphael. And if you're an artist, and let's say you died three, four hundred years ago, and yet people still know you today by your name, then I suppose you made it as a successful artist. Today's history lesson centers around another famous artist painter known by just his first name. The name Rembrandt. Rembrandt was born in the year 1606. That's 414 years ago. And without question, he's the most famous painter to have ever come out of the Netherlands. About uh, seven months ago, about half a year ago, my wife and I were blessed to do a cruise down the Rhine River over in Europe. There were five couples that were friends of ours who talked us into joining them on this cruise. And we really enjoyed it. Down one stretch of the river, uh, there were 80 castles on both sides of the river. It it really was an enjoyable time. But the cruise embarked from the city called Amsterdam. And so we flew into Amsterdam a a couple of days early. And one night, uh, we had the first night, we had dinner with a couple that were originally from our church. His name is Weigel. and when he was like 20, 21, he was in this church, Shepherd Church, and he went off to Bible college, and then he went to the Netherlands, and he, he started a church, and today it's like the largest church in all of the Netherlands. And so we had dinner together the first night, and we just again had an enjoyable evening. The second night, because Amsterdam, although a beautiful city, has some very seedy sections. And to be honest, the entire city smelled of marijuana because there's a marijuana shop like on every corner. I said to my wife, I said, honey, let's walk out. Let's get out of the city center. Let's, let's, let's just go like exploring. And so we walked for 25, 30 minutes and we came to a, a plaza, a small plaza and discovered that this plaza was called Rembrandt Plaza. And they had a statue of Rembrandt that was made in the year 1852. That statue is almost 170 years old. Rembrandt lived and had an art studio next to this plaza back in the 1600s. That night, it was kind of raining off and on. So my wife and I, we ducked in under an awning of a cafe and we drank some coffee And I ordered a big plate of hot, fresh, cut French fries. And we put salt all over there and had ketchup and drank coffee. And we just looked out over that plaza that night, uh, the Rembrandt Plaza. It was a delightful evening, just the two of us. And it was at that time, we're sitting underneath that awning, looking at this plaza, that we decided to Google Rembrandt because we didn't know a lot about him. And we started to read his story, this brilliant, eccentric painter during the golden age of the Netherlands. Many of his 300 paintings we discovered were biblical characters or biblical scenes. And one of his most famous paintings, of all his paintings, was a painting called The Christ and the Sea. Some people call it The Storm and the Sea. But Christ and the Sea, it was painted in the year 1633. 1633. It's a large painting, absolutely beautiful, four feet wide. It is five foot two inches tall. It's the only seascape that he painted. It's considered a masterpiece, primarily because of the contrast between the darkness and the light. You can see several disciples up front frantically trying to fix the mast and the sail. Jesus, of course, is in the back of the boat, He's been sleeping, and the disciples have just awoken him. They woke him up, and you can tell by Jesus' face that he's not too worried about the storm. There's one man just to his left. It's difficult to see unless you look at it up close that one of his disciples has his hands folded in prayer, and he's, he's literally begging Jesus to save them. On top, Rembrandt painted one of the disciples. You can see by his face that he is totally frightened. You can see the fear on his face. One of the disciples is down lower. He is literally throwing up. Uh, obviously, he is seasick. He has had enough. One of the disciples is just sitting there, resigned to the fact that they're all going to perish, and if you go back to the photo, it is truly a magnificent piece of art some 400 years ago. Now, this dramatic scene comes from our text today uh, at the end of Mark chapter 4. And what I want to do today is I just want to read this text, and then I'm going to tell you seven things, and I'm gonna, we're going to go through them as quickly as I can. But let's read this text, then we'll go back through it. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. That day when evening came... He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a serious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern and again, Rembrandt painted all this in that painting. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind. He said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and the Bible says it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The Bible says in verse 41 that they were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? that even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh, what a much needed text for our world today. Before I go on, I just want to ask you, are there any of you who are frightened today? Are any of you scared today? Are any of you living in fear today? Are there any of you who feel as though you're about to die as though you're about to go under and you look around and Jesus is nowhere to be found. Well, I pray that today is the day where you move from a life of fear to having a life of faith. That's my prayer for you today. I want you to picture yourself, this is all this is important, you can use your imagination. I want you to picture yourself there that day in Mark chapter four. Imagine that you are one of the twelve you've been there all day with jesus watching him perform miracles listening to his teaching dealing with the great crowds and all of a sudden the sun starts to set everyone is tired including jesus himself and what we read in verse 35 i want to go back to this again that day when evening came he jesus said to his disciples and remember you're one of them Let's go over to the other side of the lake. That's the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 36, the Bible says they actually get in the boat and they head out across that lake. My question is if you had been there, and be honest, you were there when Jesus was performing the miracles, you're one of the 12, you're listening to him teach. It's at the end of the day and you're tired and Jesus is tired and he says, hey, let's go in the boat and, and get away from the crowd and go to the other side. How many of you would say, all right, I'm in, let's go. I, I mean, after all it's Jesus. Are you kidding me? He wants me to get in the boat and go across the lake with him. I'm, I'm, I'm the first one in the boat. If he asks, how many of you be honest, would you have gotten in that boat that day? Well, we all would have gotten in the boat. Well, here's my first point of seven points. Number one, Following Jesus does not exempt you from storms. Following Jesus does not exempt you from storms. This text is a perfect example that you can be in the center of God's will and still be subject to storms. They were doing exactly what he asked them to do and found themselves in a life-threatening situation. You know, we're always trying to figure out why. Why? are we suffering? Why are we going through these difficult times? Why do we have to stay sheltered in our homes? How long is this going to last? Will I lose my job? And if I lose my job, how am I going to pay all my bills? This storm is so severe. Why is this happening? Well, some storms are decreed and they're for disciplinary reasons like Jonah when he ran from God. Uh, that was a storm. Some storms are a test, like with the story of Job, where God allowed the storm just to test Job. Some storms are a result of being persecuted because you're living for Jesus. There's a result of being persecuted. That's a storm. Just ask Daniel or go ask Stephen. And some storms are just because we live in a fallen world. They just happen. There are many reasons. There are are many types of storms for many reasons, and you might not ever know the answer of why. But what you need to note, number two, write this down, is that storms are a part of life. Storms are a part of everyone's life. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, 12, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Storms aren't strange. Storms are norm. I I want you to say, whoever you're sitting there with, just say, storms are norm. Say that, storms are norm. A storm doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. A storm doesn't mean that God is angry with you. A storm doesn't mean that God is toying with you. Sometimes he may be disciplining you. He might be teaching you, he might be growing you, he might be testing you, and at times storms just happen. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 45, that the sun rises on both the evil and the good, and that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Sometimes storms just happen. What's important for you to hang your hat on is point number three, and that is that Jesus will be with you in the storm. Oh yeah. Jesus will be with you in the storm. The Bible said in our text that a furious squall, that that's like a that's like a seismic category 5 storm came up. And the Bible says the waves were literally breaking over the boat. And this boat, it's not an ocean liner. It's not it's not like Pastor Tim's yacht it's just a small wooden boat. I mean, if you just stood up in it, you might fall over. And these storms are, bra- the waves are breaking over this boat. And the Bible says that the winds and the waves, as they were breaking over the sides of the boat, the Bible says that it was nearly swamped. That means that the entire boat was full of water. It was about to sink. They were all about to die. And verse 38, to me, is funny. I mean, the first line is funny. That Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion i didn't know i didn't know jesus had a cushion the bible says he was asleep on the cushion have you ever met someone who can sleep anywhere at any time don't people like that make you mad oh yes they do jesus was sound asleep while the disciples were all terrified They truly believed that they were about to perish in the depths of that sea. So the disciples, in verse 38, they they wake Jesus up because he's back there sleeping. And they wake him up and they said, asked him this question, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? You see, they mistook Jesus' silence as him being unconcerned. We've all been there, haven't we? You might be there right now. You're in the middle of a storm. You're in the middle of a crisis, and it seems like God is off somewhere taking a nap, like you can almost hear God snoring, like he could care less what's going on in your life. And because you think or actually believe that he's being unresponsive to your dire situation, you draw the false conclusion that God doesn't care about you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus is in the boat with you. He's with you in the storm. He's with you in the crisis. What he's hoping and wishing is that what you have seen and experienced him do in the past would somehow provide a stronger faith for your future. If you know anything about the Bible... If you know anything about Jesus, you know that Jesus will never leave you and that Jesus will never forsake you. He will be with you through the storm. And you need to take this to the bank. And when I say take this to the bank, I mean take this to the memory bank, number four. Eventually, Jesus will calm the storm. Can somebody say amen? Eventually, Jesus will calm that storm. Verse 39 says that he got up and he rebuked the wind. And we know a lot about the wind here. He rebuked the wind and he rebuked the waves. He said, quiet, be still. And the Bible says that the wind died down and that the waves became completely calm. You see, there's one thing that I am certain about all storms. And that is that storms don't last forever. I want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to and you tell them, storms don't last forever. You say that. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Storms don't last forever. I want you to turn to whoever you're sitting next to and say these words. You tell them, joy comes in the morning. Say that. Joy comes in the morning. Some of you are acting as though storms last forever. Storms don't last forever. Jesus calmed the storm that had frightened the disciples with just three little words. Quiet, be still, and calm the storm. Imagine if Jesus spoke a whole sentence or a whole paragraph. Imagine how powerful that would be. You see, God does not go by our timetable. He has his own timetable. He's going to calm your storms when he chooses to calm your storm. He has his own timetable, and his timetable is perfect. He knows and he understands and he cares about your situation. I'm going to say that again. Jesus knows and understands and he cares about your situation. You don't need to tell God How big your storm is, you need to tell your storm how big your God is. God has this under control. Point number five, I'm going to tell you something that everyone already knows, but that no one enjoys. Point number five, write this down. Faith is developed in the storm. Faith is not developed in the calm. You see, we want faith to be developed in smooth waters. Faith is not developed in smooth waters. Faith is developed in rough waters. One summer, during a violent, violent thunderstorm, there was a mother who was tucking her small boy into bed. And she was just about ready to turn off that light switch. When he asked the little boy with a tremor in his voice, he said, Mommy, will you sleep in my bed tonight? Will you sleep in my bed tonight? Mother gave him a reassuring hug and said, I can't do that, dear. I have to sleep with Daddy tonight. And after a long silence, it was broken by that little voice. The boy said, that big sissy. Oh, listen, storms frighten us, Correct? storms they worry us correct jesus in our text in verse 39 he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and and the wind and the way it's completely calm and then he turns to his disciples in verse 40 and he says to them why are you so afraid do you still have no faith pay attention to that you still have no faith In Luke 8 account, he asked, where is your faith? And what I see in this text, Jesus first, he rebukes, watch this, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and then he has to rebuke his disciples because they're exercising no faith. The amazing thing that most of these men were experienced fishermen. They had grown up on the lake. They had been in many severe storms But this must have been the mother of all storms because they were all afraid and they all thought they were going to drown. And Jesus asked them this question. Now stay with me. Anytime Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He already knows the answer to this question. But he asked a question in a true rabbinic tradition. For he asked a question in attempt to get them to see and to understand a much deeper truth. Do you still have no faith? In other words, he's saying, you guys have seen me perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Isn't there anything in your memory bank of all the miracles I've ever performed that would lead you to believe that we're not going to be okay? You see, the real question he was asking is, when did you lose your confidence
0: In Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. So often, a person has never heard the life changing message of the gospel. Or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ. But now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll free number is easy to remember it's 888 818. 4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, be sure to visit our website, liftupjesus.com. The greatest story ever told is more than just a cliche. God goes to great lengths to rescue lost and hurting people. That is what the story is all about. The Story of the Bible, God's Great Love Affair with Humanity. Condensed into 31 accessible chapters, the story sweeps you into the unfolding progression of Bible characters and events from Genesis to Revelation. Using the New International Version, it allows the stories, poems, and teachings of the Bible to read like a novel. The story features a foreword by Max Licato and Randy Frazee and tells the story of a true God who loves his children. Establish for them a way of salvation. Each story in these 31 chapters reveals the God of grace, the God who speaks, the God who acts, the God who listens, the God whose love for his people culminated in his sacrifice of Jesus, his only Son, to atone for the sins of humanity. The story, the Bible is one continuing story of God and his people, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Our toll free number is 888 818. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order your copy of The Story directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Get your copy of The Story. The Bible is one continuing story of God and His people today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.